0: Exalt in your name all the day, and in your righteousnesses are exalted. coming to you righteous and having salvation Lord have- By your pr- protection we may be rescued from the threatening perils of our sins and saved by your mighty deliverance for you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit one God now and forever The Old Testament lesson for this, the first Sunday in Advent, Ad Te Lavavi, is written in the 23rd chapter of the prophet Jeremiah, beginning at the fifth verse. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. This is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when he, they shall no longer say, As the Lord lives, who brought up the sons of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but as the Lord lives, who brought up and led the offspring of the house of Israel out of the north country, and out of all the countries where he hath driven them, then they shall dwell in their own land. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. None who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your path. The Epistle lesson is written in the 13th chapter of Romans, beginning at the 8th verse. O no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is a fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to awake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. Amen. Alleluia! Show us your steadfast love, O oh Lord, and grant us your salvation. All is written in the 21st chapter of St. Matthew, beginning at the 1st verse. Glory be to thee, O Lord. <coughs> when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied in a colt with her, Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill that which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted upon a donkey, on a colt the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them, and they brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them most of the crowd spread their cloaks upon the road and others cut down branches from trees and spread them on the road then the crowds went before him and followed him and were shouting hosanna to the son of david blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord hosanna in the highest this is the gospel of the lord who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Ghost of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures and ascended into heaven and seated on the right hand of the Father, and he shall come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshiped and glorified, who is sent by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. A little company of Jesus and his disciples approach Jerusalem. They see a little town ahead of them, and, and Jesus tells his disciples to go and, and get a, a couple donkeys. And that if anybody says anything, that they would um, uh, they would tell the man that uh, the owner that the Lord hath them, and there'd be no problems. And there it wasn't <clears throat> It's exactly what happened as predicted. They found the beast of burden, they had them untied, they brought them away, and um, Jesus entered Jerusalem riding upon a donkey, thereby fulfilling the words of the prophet Zechariah, thy king cometh unto thee lowly, and riding upon a donkey. So, why did Jesus do this? Why didn't Jesus walk in Jerusalem, or ride a horse, or why did he ride why didn't you ride a donkey in Jerusalem? Have you ever considered the why of this? Because, you know, everything God does is for a reason. There's no, there's no like, there's nothing ever wasted with God. He's got a point of purpose behind everything. So what does Jesus' entrance in Jerusalem teach us? It must be an important lesson, right? Because it actually occurs twice in the liturgical year. It, it, it occurs at the beginning of the, the liturgical year, at Advent 1, which is today. And then it also uh, occurs at Sunday or Palm Sunday. So it must be important that Jesus does this twice in the liturgical year. And maybe one of the reasons is, is because Jesus' whole ministry is directed against the pretensions of earthly power. The mundane equivalents of the principalities and powers which Paul says in uh, the 8th chapter of Romans shall not separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Yes, the circumstances of his birth are also calculated to establish his detachment from power and authority in human terms. I mean, for instance, how could a messiah be born in a manger? How is that even possible, right? And and then be so vulnerable before even a paltry little prince like Herod that, that his family has to leave in the middle of the night and flee for years to Egypt. How is that? Right? And how is it possible for that then that child to become such a great king and warrior that he'd be able to deliver God's chosen people? No, Jesus' kingdom clearly is not of this world. Jesus continually stresses the fallacy, the mistake of looking to this world and its leaders for help and guidance in fulfilling God's promises and His purposes. And though in subsequent centuries... It is true that many of his ostensible followers would, would often enough, on his behalf, go after the support of the rich, and the mighty, and the millionaires, and the demagogues, the kings, and revolutionaries, and some of them may sought to become rich, and mighty, and fomenters of the revolution themselves. The profound distrust of power which Jesus inculcates into his mission, into the hearts of his, troop, his believers, who have loved him the most and served him the best is undeniable. Caesar, in all these different guises, has continued to dazzle mankind, but this adulation that Caesar commands and requires, in the end, curdles, like milk left out too long in the sun, in the presence of the son of a carpenter from Nazareth. It's irony, isn't it? That Jesus says to pay Caesar's bills, you must pay in Caesar's coinage. <clears throat> Whereas what he's is everything you do, and everything you are, and everything you can be. This deflation of power would have seemed extraordinary to Napoleon at the effigy of his, of his um, achievements, when he was able to induce an obsequious pope to place a crown in his own Corsican head, or to Lenin transported from some sleazy pension in Geneva to the Kremlin in seat of the Tsar of our Russia's or to a Hitler taking in the salute of his 2 stepping contingents as they pounded down the Champs-Élysées in Paris. Such episodes proved to be written on water because of an obscure Jew was crucified on a reluctant order of an insignificant Roman procurator. So, again, we must ask, how do we understand Christ's life? What is it about his life that he's trying to teach us about earthly priorities and earthly power? Is it wise for us to love mammon more than God? Is that a good strategy, eternally? The answer is no. It's not. Because, because Jesus, by riding a donkey into Jerusalem, his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, his capital, by riding a donkey, he is showing us the truth that earthly power is a mirage. It's a mirage in the desert of this world. And if we run after that mirage, we chase after the mirage of earthly priorities and earthly powers and earthly riches. It is just like pursuing a mirage in the desert. We will end up dead and thirsty and lost. Because the farther, the faster we run after the mirage, the quicker it retreats. And it leaves us only a heartache, torment, and death. Therefore, the reason why Jesus rides the donkeys is to show us that our destiny is humbler than the world's, and yet in the end, better. Much better. Right? For Matthew, you see, the reason Jesus reads, writes these Domkeys is the truth. <coughs> and the truth is that Jesus is not only the Lord of beasts, but he's the Lord of Jerusalem itself. And he comes to show us that the the goal, the destiny of Jerusalem, and the destiny of his church on earth is a humble destiny. The church is never meant to be an earthly empire, but it rather is a spiritual empire, an empire of eternal life, not earthly life. Churches that teach that the goal of the church is to give you a better life here in this world now are making a deadly mistake for the souls of those who follow the will o wisp. No, the Messianic beasts belong to Jesus because he is the Lord Messiah, the Lord who recovers the Lordship of Adam over even the animals, as well as ourselves. As well as ourselves. And by showing us that he has a right to the animals, he's also showing us that he has a right to us, that we are not free agents, that our lives do not belong to us, or do you not know that you were bought at a price? And the price, of course, you know. Is Jesus' own body and blood upon the cross? He purchased us with that, the coinage of his own blood. Yes. And therefore, that's the reason why God says to us through the Apostle Paul that we are not owed to know no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the Torah. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You, love does no harm to the neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Know this. The time is now, it is high time, Paul writes in today's epistle in Romans 13, to wake up out of our sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than that we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand, therefore let us cast off the works of darkness, let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh, but for its desires lust and that's really the message of jesus on the donkey In riding the donkey is key to grasping how we too as believers must walk behind him right? we are to cast aside our pride and our desire for revenge against our neighbor and our brother for the things they've done to us both real and imagined and love our neighbor as we love ourselves and that means we have to humble ourselves, right? Because to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul means you have to love your neighbor as yourself, and that means you must forgive them their trespasses as God forgives you your trespasses. That's a humbling drink just to take down, isn't it? Yes, the donkey, unlike the war horse, is the animal of humility and the animal of peace. Because Jesus rides it, Jesus is telling us, teaching us, that his kingdom is not interested in those who puff themselves up or are self-centered or sin-fueled or care only about their own gratification. No, seeing Jesus upon the donkey is teaching us that we are to give a defense to the hope that is within us to our neighbor in humility and in gentleness. The donkey comes to bear Jesus humbly and we too are to walk humbly knowing that but for the grace of God there do we, that none of us are better than the other, we have all sinned done what is wrong in God's sight we are all recipients of God's grace there is none who goes right no not one, and there is no cause therefore for any of us to be proud But the glory only in the cross of Christ That's why Christ rides a donkey. That's why he comes in the humble visage of sinful flesh and blood, though without sin. He comes like us. He comes and takes upon our form. That's what Advent's all about. God humbling himself to become one of us. To live the life that we have to live and endure it, but without sin. Yes. Jesus upon the donkey is teaching us that if we are to find God and find forgiveness and be found by forgiveness, that we find that forgiveness and that mercy of God only in humble places, places like the donkey's back. Because right? <clears throat> even when the world looks at Holy Communion, when the world gazes upon the bread, upon the patent and the blood, or the wine upon in, inside the chalice, what does the world see? The world sees hum- humble things. A little bit of bread, a little bit of wine. Not very good wine by the standards of the world. And yet you and I know because of God's word that under and with that humble bread and under and with that humble wine is the very body and blood of God himself. The very life of God given for the life of the world. And then when we receive that communion, we are tasting forgiveness and we are receiving eternal life as a gift. When we kneel at that altar rail, we're not doing so because we deserve it or are worthy of it, but just the opposite. We're only worthy of it because Jesus died upon a cross for us and said that our sins were finished. The same thing is true at baptism. When when the world looks at baptismal water, Luther says, what does it see? It sees the same water which the cattle drink. And yet we know that because God's word and promises are combined to that water, that that water is a water of eternal life, where Christ literally binds us to Himself, wraps us to Himself like a vine, a branch is wrapped into a vine, so that God's love and life flows into us, and it is no longer we alone who live, but Christ lives within us. Yes, to the world these priceless miracles appear. Like a humble donkey and not worth very much. Yet to God Himself, out of unmerited love, He comes to us riding in these humble things. And it's in these humble things that we find a gracious God and are found by Him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If an of my gospel, in the name of good to have all of you here today. Um, this is, of course, Advent 1 on La and um, I'm sorry about the being Emmanuel not being in there, um, which that, that was my fault. I should have been very clear about that. But I, I will do my best to rectify that for the next service. And uh, just note the blue news for this week: normal uh, schedule, except that Wednesday at eleven a.m. there will be a matin service for the luncheon right after it, and then in the evening at six p.m. there'll be vespers. And uh, those are a little bit different uh, services. There will be a full, there will be a, a, a short sermon in each one, and I hope you all can attend. I think we're going to have a campfire uh, Wednesday night if, if, if weather permits. So I hope that y'all can come for that, and it should be a lot of fun. Just note, next, um, I think on Tuesday, they're going to decorate, or not decorate, they're going to construct that, the candy houses, gingerbread houses, and then on Saturday is the candy house uh, decoration. Um, a lot of pre-orders have already happened, so if you want one of those candy houses, please let Emily Trio know as soon as possible so that there will be a house for your child when you all show up. I, I wouldn't show up just to show up. I would make sure. You know you got a house waiting for you. Otherwise, it's going to be very difficult to console your little one um, because they're almost all gone. But what I think we can probably get more out there for you if, if you know. Okay, so that's that. And then a couple prayer requests today. Um, we have a prayer request from Elizabeth um, uh, requ- requesting help for her daughter. And then uh, and then also um, some of y'all know David Anderson. He was a lifelong uh, member of Concordia. Uh, really one of the pillars of that parish. Yesterday, uh, he he was he died yesterday of, of, I think, a heart attack. Um, he was, uh, I think he already was gone when took, then he took took him out of the house. Yesterday, at, uh, around closer to noon. But uh, we just pray for the Anderson family, for Concordia as they mourn uh, the death of David Anderson. So, keep it in your prayers as well. Lord be with you. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord I have mercy. For the peace, that is from above, and for the well-being of the churches of Christ and the God unity of Christendom, let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. For this holy house and for those who, in faith, piety, and the fear of God, offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. For Matthew and Eric, our shepherds and bishops, and Christ for all pastors and teachers and all people. Let us pray to the Lord Lord, for our nation, all our people, our president and Congress, our governor and legislature, our judges and magistrates and all who serve in public office. Let us pray to the Lord Lord, for the sick and the sorrowing, for those who mourn, for those who are in need and distress, for the homebound and the infirm, especially we pray this day for Alice and Craig. Rebecca and Joyce, Mary and Mark, Eddie and Norma, Kim and Suzette, for Chris and Janine, for Sugar and Brooke, Janice and Taylor, Melissa and Danny, Tara and Melissa, Gray and Bob, Meredith and James, for George and Mary Dean, Earl and Suzette, Bob and Mallory, Mark and Hank, Jay and Tracy, Michelle and Carl, Karen and Jimmy, Tina and Ainsley, Kevin and Ron, Jesse and Theo and Easton and Waylon and Ryan. We also pray for the families for our parish and Warren, especially for the uh, Tatum and Rogers family, for the Anderson family, the Faust and Cowley's family, the Todd family, the Bolton and Grice families, also um, the uh, Heil family, the Blunt family, the Davis family. And we pray, Heavenly Father, also for those in the service to our country's armed forces, especially Riley, Paul, Hayden, and Paul. And we pray for all of our university students, including Minnie, Aiden, Jacob, Kelsey, and Mia. We pray, Heavenly Father, also for those to whom death is drawing near and for us all, that when our last hour shall come, we may depart this life in the consolation of a right, God and holy hope and in the communion of Christ's holy church. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord. We're those who have gone before us in the faith And rejoice and share with them the Sabbath rest Which Christ has won for his people That together with them we may be found Faithful in the day of judgment And rejoice in the day of the resurrection of the dead Let us pray to the Lord, Lord. We pray Especially this day um, For health for um, Elizabeth um, Lord God Heavenly Father Look down behold and visit and be with thy servant Elizabeth, for whom we offer up our supplications. Look upon her with the eyes of thy mercy, and give her comfort and her confidence in thee. Defend her from any dangers of the enemy, and keep her in perpetual safety and peace. Through the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with thee in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Thank you. And finally, we pray for the Anderson family as they mourn the death of David Anderson. Have compassion, O Lord, upon all who mourn. And upon all who are lonely and desolate because of the death of David Anderson, be thou their comforter and friend, and give unto them such earthly solace, as thou seekest to be best for them, and bring them to a fuller knowledge of thy love, and wipe away all their tears, for the sake of Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with thee in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Lord be with you. lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks unto the Lord. Let us give thanks unto the. Lord. and salutary that we should all times and all places give thanks unto thee O Lord Holy Father Almighty everlasting God through Jesus Christ thy Son whose wage on the Baptist prepared proclaiming in the Messiah the very Lamb of God and calling sinners to repentance that they might escape from the wrath to be revealed when he cometh again in his glory Therefore with angels and dark angels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify thy glorious name, evermore praising thee and say ye. But deliver us from evil. Same night in which he was betrayed for bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and gave it to his disciples.